The following has been prepared solely for informational purposes, and it is not an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security. The information presented today is the opinion of the firm and is not intended as investment advice and should not be used as such. Welcome to Biblically Based Wealth Management with your host, Kevin Bruce. On this show, Kevin combines academic, behavioral, and biblical financial principles to separate the wheat from the chaff in investing and retirement planning. Now, here's your host, Kevin Bruce. With that, let's turn to wealth management because once we combine an investment portfolio with a financial plan, we essentially have what finance calls wealth management. While the individual particulars may vary from one firm to another on their definitions, essentially, wealth management is the synergistic combining of financial planning and investment management. So now that we have a rough idea of what wealth management is, let's just compare traditional wealth management to a biblically-based wealth management approach. And I think the first place to start in their comparison is with their similarities. And from what I call an implementation perspective, the two are almost identical. So imagine an iceberg floating in the middle of the ocean. And what you see above the water is what I call the implementation. Above the water, the traditional biblical approach to wealth management look the same. Meaning the strategies, the tools, the concepts, the retirement investing, estate planning and tax planning techniques all look the same. Whether you take a traditional approach or a biblically based wealth management approach, we all have access to the same software, the same research. We're all subject to the same rules and regulations. We're all subject to the same market and economic factors. So understand, if you choose a biblically based approach, you aren't giving anything up. You aren't leaving anything on the table or denying yourself any resources or technology by choosing a biblically based approach over a traditional wealth management approach. That said, the primary difference that is noticeable at the surface is the advice, the advice your wealth manager gives you, because that advice is drawn from below the waterline, where the larger and more robust part of the iceberg resides. Below the water is where you see a stark contrast between traditional and biblically-based wealth management, because below the waterline is where you find the why. Why are you doing what you're doing? What is the purpose? What is your purpose? What is it that you truly believe Where is your underlying faith? Because everything that happens above the water is merely an operational extension of those deeper held beliefs under the water. Now that we've discussed the above the waterline similarities, let's dive in to the underwater differences between traditional and biblically based wealth management. We don't have a lot of time together today, so I'm just going to go straight to the heart of the issue. You know, over the past 20 years, I've helped many clients from around the country, and I can honestly say that regardless of their level of wealth, their age, or anything else you might want to divide a group of people by, at the root of it, when making financial decisions, everyone is looking to achieve one of or a combination of the same three things. They're looking for peace of mind, a sense of accomplishment, and contentment. To further clarify, peace of mind means they want safety, they want security, they don't want to have any financial worries. A sense of accomplishment is people want to have done something, have made their mark or made the world a better place or to have an accomplishment, something with deep satisfaction they can look upon and and be proud of. And then contentment, to be happy with 
what you have and where you're at in life and who you are and to no longer long for something else, something different, something new, to no longer try to keep up with the Joneses. And while those three things are the core of what people are seeking with their financial decisions, you know, the way they might state them can come out in, in various forms, such as I want to retire at age 50. You know, I need X millions of dollars in my accounts, or I don't want to worry about running out of money, or they want to travel the world, buy a beach home, fish and hunt, spend time with the grandkids, start a new business. The goals themselves can manifest in many ways, but the core underlying three desires are always the same. People are looking for peace of mind, a sense of accomplishment, and contentment when making their financial decisions. So what a traditional wealth management approach does is it draws a straight line and has you connect the dots. And the conclusion is, if I have the money, then I can achieve my financial goals. And if I can achieve my financial goals, then I will have the three things, peace of mind, sense of accomplishment, and contentment. However, by doing this, money becomes the most important thing standing between where you are now and what you want most in life. So either by design or default, money takes center stage in your life. If we look at what the Bible has to say about this, we learn that this view is both dangerous and false. In Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So who's going to take center stage of your life? In Ecclesiastes 2.10, in the words of Solomon, who happens to be the richest and wisest man who has or ever will have lived, the one who loves money is never satisfied with money, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. So just to reiterate, the richest and wisest man who has or ever will have lived just said, money and wealth doesn't satisfy. This is directly contrary to what traditional wealth management tells us, is that if we have enough money and wealth, then we can achieve everything we want in life and be satisfied. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather take it from someone who's actually achieved it and lived it than some academic who's merely theorized upon it. So what the traditional approach is doing here is setting you up for failure because the goalposts will always change. What we draw up as contentment, peace of mind, or sense of accomplishment today will look different in 30 years when we get there. And that's usually because of a couple of reasons. Either we just fail to get there or we start to make progress towards there and we move the goalposts. Or worse yet would be we actually get there and achieve it and then we realize, well, uh, that was unfulfilling. Now what? So quick story about unfulfilling. In 2014, I signed up for an Ironman triathlon, which is a 140-mile race consisting of swimming, biking, and running. And you have 17 hours to finish it. And basically, I signed up as a way to challenge myself. And during my training, I read everything I could about the Ironman race and people's experiences. And I can't tell you how many reviews and comments I read about people crossing the finish line, saying, you know, what an amazing experience, life-changing experience it is to, to cross the finish line at the Ironman. And there's just nothing like that feeling in the world. So, you know, to prepare for a race like this, it takes six to eight months of day in, day out, multiple hours a day. You're pushing yourself physically and mentally through these strenuous workouts. You're preparing your body and your mind for this race and, and you're sacrificing your, your leisure time. I remember running through neighborhoods on the weekend, smelling barbecue, seeing people hanging out with their friends on their porch, having a good time. As I'm on mile nine of 15 on a Saturday, with a 101 heat index and I'm out running in the middle of the street. But 
you know, after six to eight months of this, you become a machine because you, you ingrain into your mind, keep moving forward, you know, regardless of the pain or the discomfort or how you feel about it, just keep moving forward. You train yourself to believe that the ends justify the means. So fast forward six months, you know, there I was, the last stretch of the Ironman, the crowd's large and super energetic and they're cheering you on. The lights at the finish line are blinding. They do it to take a good picture, but it's just like running blindly into this big wall of light. And as I cross the line, you know, I hear the announcer say, you are an Iron Man. And, you know, here it is. This is the moment, right? And I remember thinking to myself, well, I guess I can stop now. I mean, it was completely anticlimactic. After months of telling myself, keep moving forward, push through the pain, don't quit. The ends justify the means. I was suddenly telling myself, okay, you know, you can stop now. You've arrived. And it just felt like failure. I mean, I had accomplished my goal, but it, it just didn't feel like it. I'd worked so hard and, you know, here it was, uh, you know, I'm done. It's like, okay, you know, now what? It's like, well, you know, I guess I'll sit down and eat a burrito. And that's what I did. But that's the idea of traditional wealth management is that you draw up these goals and a, a certain belief is held that they're going to fulfill this purpose or meaning in your life. And then they don't, whether you achieve the goals or not. Now let's contrast the traditional wealth management approach with a biblically based wealth management approach. In biblically based wealth management, we believe that those three things that traditional finance is chasing with money, peace of mind, contentment, and sense of accomplishment is achieved independent of your level of wealth and they cannot be acquired with money. We believe those three things are free to all those who believe in God and follow his will for your life. And let's look what the Bible has to say about these three things. What does the Bible tell us about contentment? Well, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, you may have heard Philippians 4, 13, which is I can do all things through him who strengthens me, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse gets used quite a bit. But if you read back a couple verses, you get a little bit more of the context. And it says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So that's great news. The first verse tells us that contentment comes through Christ who gives us strength. And the second verse tells us that God will never leave us. So we can have eternal contentment. Okay, so then what does the Bible tell us about peace of mind? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So the Bible is telling us that peace of mind is found by having faith in God. And then for sense of accomplishment, we don't look at sense of accomplishment with a spirit of pride, but through our humble service, bringing glory to God in all that we do. Matthew 23, 12, Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So our sense of accomplishment is not for us to bestow upon ourselves. Our sense of accomplishment comes from humbly serving others and living the unique life that God has for each of us. Our sense of accomplishment is defined as hearing the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, let's be honest, there's no better estate plan than that. But just to recap, so we're all clear, there is nothing in the Bible that states the necessity of meeting your self-proclaimed financial goals in order to achieve peace of mind, contentment, or sense of accomplishment. And that's because these are a gift from God, a dividend for placing our faith in Him and living a life according to His will. So please, stop associating money with peace of mind, 
contentment, and a sense of accomplishment. So if we don't have to worry about these things, what are we supposed to be doing? Jesus made it clear with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So you might be thinking, well, that sounds okay, but how am I supposed to do that? Well, Romans 12, 4 through 6 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So this means we have a unique purpose and a unique role to fill in the body of Christ. Moreover, there's a plan for us that's already in place. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. Psalms 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. So let's just take a moment and unpack all that. Number one, God has given us each a common goal. And that goal is to spread his word and to teach his people to follow him. So we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. Two, God has given us each a unique purpose. We're each uniquely equipped to play a certain position on the team. And three, God has a plan. God has a game plan for each of us that was designed before we were born, designed for us to succeed. So the only thing left for us to do to complete God's plan for our life, which is a plan that's more fulfilling and richer than anything that we could dream up for ourselves, is to put our faith in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Jesus stated in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. I think one final verse that can sum up the debate between traditional and biblically-based wealth management is Proverbs 19 and 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So if we build our foundation on the Lord's purpose, if we build our foundation on the rock, then we will prevail. So there you have it. Biblically-based wealth management is about putting God's plan for your life as a primary objective and aligning your finances around His plan. Have a great week. God bless America.